girls, I have some exciting news. Lay it on us. Let's hear it. Okay. There's like multiple levels of my exciting news. I'll start with the most basic one because it it impacts my entire life. And Lindsay knows to the extent that this impacts my life. Guess who is not barking like maniacs anymore? The dogs. Yeah. Molly? Well, Molly and more Bear. Bear is the one who originated the barking like crazy. And then Molly took it to the next level because she adopted it. But she's a scaredy cat, so she barks at, like, everything. Oh, my God. Wait, did you send them to training? So I'm doing training with Ad Attention dog training, and they're awesome. We've been doing training, like, every other week, and they're learning all kinds of really good stuff. Like, I can tell them to touch, and they will run from far, far away. Like, Molly will run from, like, hundreds of yards away and all the way to touch my hand. Wow. Oh, my God. They're going to be like little geniuses. I know. I know. And who said you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Bear's up there learning himself too. I know he is. And I. so what I do is I sit by the door, and as people make noises, I give them treats when they don't do anything. (laughs) And they're finally getting it. Like I had four people deliver packages today and no barking. For any of them. Oh, good. I know. I'm really that's excited. Amazing. So that's part two is I have a lot of Amazon packages being de- delivered currently because I am like way getting underway for my writing, which is so cool. I found an editor and got an editor and I've gotten a ton of writing resource books to give me more insight on how to write and how to like write my book so that it's also specific to a certain audience, which is really cool. Oh my god, that's so exciting. I can't wait. That's awesome. Thank you. We've talked a couple times about self-publishing on the episode, so we'll have to do a more in-depth episode as I get further along in the process to share more about the self-publishing process because it's been really fun to work on. So cool. Yeah, I feel like that would be awesome. 100%. Well, I'm so excited for us to get into this episode, too, because we talk with Emma from That Trendy Therapist, and she is such a wealth of knowledge, and I love how she makes therapy such an approachable topic. Agreed, and she has, if you guys you guys need to check her out on Instagram at That Trendy Therapist, she has so much digestible information, and just even speaking with her, she's so easy to talk to, and we asked her quite literally probably like 100 questions in 45 (laughs) minutes so there's so much great info in this episode yeah and I highly recommend this to everybody and you'll hear why first of all of course I recommend therapy to everybody I think everybody can really benefit from it of course as something to help you work with something that you're going through mental health is so so important and then also preventatively to help you navigate situations that could be really difficult or triggering for you and then I personally really like once I got through that hump got through my anxiety and everything I love to use and continue to use therapy as a way to level up in my personal life and in my business and that's been really helpful for me so I think come at this with an open mind and truly therapy can help you at all stages whether it's recovery or preventative or leveling up definitely it's a huge aspect of personal personal development and we talk a lot in this episode about confidence comparison and how those things can affect your business and affect your personal life so with that said let's just hop into the episode to the Flourish We Grow Together podcast. This is Laura DeFrancesco, founder and CEO of Flourish Coworking Space and Dean Street Law. Flourish is a lush, sustainable, and inspiring space to co-work and host events in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and now brought to you virtually through the We Grow Together podcast and our online community. I'm so excited to be here with my hosts, Casey and Lindsay. Hi, everyone. This is Lindsay, the co-founder of Flourish. And I am Casey, the community manager of Flourish. 
And we are so, so excited to be talking to Emma DeMar today all about therapy, psychology, so many important aspects of mental health. Yeah, and I'm really excited to get into this conversation because something that we talk about often is that before you go and you build the business and you build the empire, what you really need to address first is yourself and make sure that you're at the peak of your performance and always growing and developing personally so that you can show up best for your business. So with that said, welcome Emma to the podcast. Emma, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. So hi, guys. I'm Emma DeMar, and I am a therapist on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. I work at a private practice called Intrinsic Woman, and um, I specialize in eating disorders, anxiety, OCD, life transitions, trauma, a bunch of related subjects. And I also have a podcast as well, um, That Trendy Therapist, where I talk about all things mental health. And um And yeah, and I'm excited to be on. So thank you guys so much for having me. We're so excited to have you. And if anyone, um, if you're on Instagram, definitely go check out her Instagram. It's so cute. And there's so many like digestible (laughs) resources and quotes. I absolutely love it. And your podcast is amazing too. I listened to a couple episodes. Absolutely love it. Yeah. And I'm just, I think we're curious what got you into wanting to be a therapist? What, you know, made you pursue this path? So Yeah, I didn't always um, know that I wanted to be a therapist. Um, It was not my first career choice. Um, I used to want to be an actress, and I did that for a little bit of time. I um, was on Gossip Girl, so I pursued that for a while. And then I went to college and still didn't know that I wanted to be a therapist. I actually um, got my BA in creative writing because I always knew that I wanted to write, and that was just a passion of mine. And I still use that because I write for various mental health blogs and things like that. But I also took a lot of psychology courses in college just because they really fascinated me and kind of always knew that like that was in my back pocket if I ever wanted to explore it further. And then after college, there were a few years where I was just kind of trying out different things and I wasn't really sure where which direction I was going to go in. But I always knew that I wanted to do something that I felt had a direct impact on people. And I loved psychology. I found it really fascinating working with the human mind and knew that it felt really important to me. And I also should mention that um, back in high school, I had my own battle with um, an eating disorder. And um, through that journey and my road to recovery, I realized that I wanted to be that person that could be there for other people going through their own similar journeys. So those are kind of all the reasons that I kind of came to be a therapist, you could say. That's amazing. And actually, when we were first discussing you being on, Lindsay was like, I recognize her from somewhere. How do I know her? And then we looked it up and was like, oh, my God, she was on Gossip Girl. And we were like, oh. That's so yeah. funny. No, yeah. totally incredible. I love that. Um, but something that you talk a lot about is what you said, you know, you deal with anxiety and stuff. And I feel like in our current state of the world, there's so much anxiety going around for people. Could you give some advice for, you know, for people trying to navigate this time right now that we're going through? Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I say is that, you know, I think right now there's a lot of uncertainty about the future and people are feeling a lack of sense of control. And um, I always tell people to focus on the little things that you can control, whether it's, you know, your structure during your day or non-negotiables, like every day I'm going to meditate for 10 minutes or do some yoga or something like that, it will just make you feel more grounded and structured because this time has just been, as we know, a roller coaster of things and having things that ground you and are consistent are really helpful. I also think that um, knowing that, you know, we never could predict the future before this. I think that we all all of a sudden feel like panicked about, oh, everything feels uncertain, but kind of coming back to the truth that we never could predict the future, right? Like we never had that information before. So, um, you know, just recognizing that and knowing that we're all in this together, find your people that you feel like you can vent to when you're feeling really overwhelmed or anxious. Obviously, I recommend therapy to anybody. Um, But if you don't want to go that route and you want to do something else, journaling is great. Meditation is great. Just finding the things that work for you, right? And that's going to look different for you than anybody else. So yeah, those are some things I would say about, you know, dealing with anxiety right now. 
That's a really good answer. I'm also curious because anxiety is just so prevalent nowadays. I'm curious if you have insight on like the reason why why it seems like everyone deals with anxiety and everyone is overstressed nowadays. I know that right now the climate we're recovering from COVID-19 and everything like that. But I'm just curious because I feel like even before this, there was a large sense of anxiety in everyday life. And then also just a lot of stress that multiple people have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I attribute that to the world that we live in. Um, Our society is really fast paced. It's full of, you know, I think the social media component makes people very anxious. I know that we were going to talk about this, but comparisons, um, because we're seeing people's highlight reels all the time. And so there's this kind of sense of, am I doing enough? And the constant sense of being on this hamster wheel, I need to do more, I need to, you know, be better and outdo myself or outdo this person. And competition is really um, something that people get anxiety about. I also think that, um, you know, right now, I've been talking a lot about going back to the basics, because I think that this time has been an opportunity for us all to slow down and to really go back to those things that we did when we were children, like play outside or, you know, read a book, things that like we don't make time for. And I think that because we don't make time for that in our lives, that's part of the reason that we get anxiety because we don't feel grounded or rooted in anything real. We're just going from one thing to another, constantly moving and distracting ourselves And the further that we get away from our thoughts and our truth, the more anxious that we become because we're kind of just like a shell of ourselves. Definitely. It's almost like COVID-19 and and what that brought on society was kind of like a double-edged sword. Like It was really great because people could come back to the basics, but it was also really stressful for a lot of people too because they were so uncertain about what was going on and what was happening. Right. No, exactly. I think it, you know, everybody obviously has a different story with how they've been coping right now. And I think it just has to do with the individual and where you were at before this and what's your genetic makeup and all of that. There's a lot of factors, but absolutely people are handling this so differently. It depends on where you're at in your life, really. And I've interestingly stopped buying audiobooks, which is a really hard decision (laughs) for me to make. Because I'll listen to what's in my existing library, for instance, while I'm driving, but I've just found that I have a tendency to multitask so much and listen to audiobooks all the time as I'm like doing random things, which can be a good thing. And podcasts are similar. Like it can be a good thing and it can be healthy. But then some days I listen to like eight or nine hours of audio in a day because I'm basically just listening Mm -hmm. to it all day and I realize I don't have enough time with my thoughts. So I'm actually going back to the basics in terms of reading physical books and ordering only physical books now so that I can just sit with that material and absorb it rather than layer it on top of something else. Yeah, that's a really good point because when you are listening to an audiobook or a podcast, you have the ability to do other things. Um, Same with like watching shows mindless TV, you're going on your phone, you're not really present. But when you force yourself to kind of sit down with something like a book, you kind of can only do that at once if you're going to concentrate on it. So I think that's, that's great that you've been doing that. Thank you. And we talked a little bit about comparison. It can be really hard for entrepreneurs to get in their right mentality. And a lot of entrepreneurship struggles from comparison. Can you share about recommendations that you have from anybody, whether it's an entrepreneur or an individual struggling with comparison? Yeah, I have a few things about that. I mean, one thing I think just first of all, is just to normalize it because sometimes we feel like something's wrong with us that we're comparing ourselves to other people but we all do it, right? And so you're not alone if you're comparing yourself. It's part of human nature. I also want to say that there's always somebody that's going to be doing better than you or doing the things that you want to do. And using that almost as inspiration instead of jealousy or and like if you can reframe it into, wow, what is this person doing? Get curious about it. Maybe there's something that I can learn from them um, instead of it being you know, kind of that comparison trap. And, you know, I just think turning it into like, what's your goal, like kind of coming back to like, what are the things that are true for you? 
and get curious, work on yourself, because the more that you build yourself up and you're doing what you want to be doing, the less that you will feel kind of inadequate or feel like you need to compare and track what other people are doing. I feel like that's such good advice. And I feel like the other issue with comparison is we're constantly like wanting to be someone else. But I know in your podcast, you talked a lot about, you know, tuning into ourselves and kind of just, Mm -hmm. you know, going with our intuition and our gut to go towards being a more authentic version of ourselves. Um, Do you have any advice for someone who, you know, feels like they can't authentically be themselves, whether it's at work with friends, with family, how can they begin to tune into their intuition and kind of move towards being just themselves and not anyone else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the first step is to kind of get to know yourself and do that deep work. So whether that is in therapy or just spending some time with yourself, just kind of getting to know yourself as you would, you know, a loved one or a best friend, really just focusing on what's true for you and identify the things that you like and your value system and all of that. And you'd be surprised. Some people just aren't aware of what their own values or beliefs are because they've always just followed suit from family or friends. So I think first just identifying those things for yourself. And I think the next step, which is even more tricky is really just honoring those beliefs because we are in this society where it doesn't always value people's individuality and different opinions and that becomes really challenging then to be yourself. It's, it's a really fearless kind of thing to be able to be authentic and to speak up and speak out. And it, it is scary, but the more that you do it, the more comfortable you will be with it. And you never know who else you're inspiring when you're authentic. I mean, I always get so many messages just about people saying, hey, you know, you sharing this has made me feel comfortable sharing my story. And that's been so powerful for me. So thank you. So it's just it's a cyclical thing. And the more people speak out and the more people are themselves, the more people are celebrating individuality. And, and yeah, so that's, that's what I would say is really just start by identifying and exploring who you are, bringing those things to the surface and just um, honoring those. I think that's such good advice. And I love that you said that it requires like hard work because this is something that I know even I face, like even when I'm scrolling on Instagram and I will like see the Instagram model in her bikini. And then like later on down, down the line, like during the day, I'll like pass a mirror and I'll be like, Oh, like that part of me is not that cute. And then I'll, And then I have to like stop and think to myself, wait, but like what made me feel that way? And why did I feel that way? Because whatever made me feel that way, like I don't want that in my life. And then Mm -hmm. I'll have to like backtrack my thoughts and like figure out what picture or like what it was that I did or what it was that I saw. And like, and I actively like remove those things from my life. I mean, that's awesome that you take the time to do that. And I would suggest that to people that you take that time to really explore and try to figure out what the thing was that triggered you. Um, Because if you can locate that, then you have that information. And then it's just about, you know, removing it from your life or creating boundaries or whatever you see fit. And it's not always perfect. Like sometimes I'm just like, oh, that's not cute. And I'll be like, man. But but when I do try to be like cognizant cognizant of what it is that's making me feel like I'm not worth enough or that I don't accept myself enough. It's not something that like I want to build in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a practice for sure. And it is hard work. Um, Anything worth having is hard work and getting to know yourself is a journey and you'll always get to know yourself throughout your life. But if you make that something that you value is, you know, knowing who you are and having a strong sense of self, then it just kind of becomes something automatic that you just do over time. Definitely. And then I, and I also feel like it kind of ripples into like, once you have this solid foundation of self acceptance, it kind of trickles down the line to give you like a very secure self of confidence. I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. (laughs) No. Yeah. You're right on the money. I think that like it starts with you being authentic and true to yourself. And I feel like once you get that, I mean, I use the word aligned a lot, like alignment. And I think that that is so important, just being aligned. And that comes from having a strong sense of self, knowing what your beliefs are and living authentically to those things. 
And then everything else does kind of fall seamlessly into place because then it becomes easier for you to make decisions because you know how you think about something. It becomes easier to surround yourself with the right people because you know these are people that are like-minded. These are not people that serve me well. So it kind of, you're right, like it it is a trickle effect and it just, um, the more that you are in touch with yourself, the more that your whole life will reflect that. So I'm curious because I love that you use the word alignment. How do you encourage um, your clients to become more aligned with themselves? Well, I just always have them reflect on what are the, like if, if there's people or things in their life that are making them uncomfortable or making them question themselves constantly or toxic for whatever reason. I like to start with those things and having them kind of explore why they're in their lives and whether they can maybe remove some of those things. Um, Because I find that the more that you eliminate the toxicity or the things that are not, you know, aligned with you, the easier just kind of becomes to have space for what's really true to you. So I start there really is like identifying what are those things that are not in line with you and then making that space. And once you have that space, that's the space to play and explore and figure out, okay, like, here's the fun work about what do I believe? What do I really think? And kind of taking out the judgment from it, because in the therapy room or in a safe space, like when you're journaling or meditating, you can be fully yourself. You don't have to worry about other people's opinions. And the next step after that is bringing those things into the world and not letting yourself be, you know, questioning yourself because of what other people think and allowing yourself to just be your full authentic self in the real world. I feel like also, like you had just said, like people's opinions, I feel like can sometimes prohibit us from kind of tuning in and being our authentic self. Do you have any advice for people, you know, kind of getting over what other people think? Because I think that can even translate into business and personal. You're worried what people will think. So you don't pursue what you want to do or you don't, you're not fully yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think it just, it ties into just like understanding even when you get hate or someone's negative to you, it always comes from them. It's not a reflection on you. It's a reflection on them and where they're at. And so I think if you can first understand that and kind of develop compassion for the situation, like maybe this person is really insecure and that's where it's coming from. And we always first kind of go to this personalization, like, oh, this must be about me if they're talking about me, but really just taking that step back and objectively looking at the situation and seeing if there might be another cause or reason for somebody to be saying something. And maybe it's because of their own shortcomings. And it's also practice like anything else. So, you know, there might be a time period where you feel really sensitive and maybe that's because things aren't going so well for you. I think the stronger that you are within yourself, the easier it is to kind of get rid of those comments and to just tune them out Um, because they'll always be there no matter what you do. And so the more that you are grounded within your truth, the more that you'll feel confident enough to be like, okay, I don't really need to let those things affect me. Totally. That's amazing. I totally agree with that. And I think a big portion of that too is confidence. Like I feel like you have to have a decent amount of confidence within yourself to not care about the outside noise too. How do you usually advise your clients when they're feeling super unconfident in themselves? Yeah. So there's a few facets to this. I talk about confidence a lot. A lot of my patients talk negatively to themselves and they, um, they're just beating themselves up. And even in the room, they'll be saying things. And I'm like, wait, hold on, let's reframe that. Because I think we don't even realize the internal dialogue sometimes that we have, it really just can be super negative and damaging. And we just start to believe those things over time, the things that we tell ourselves. So even if it is ridiculous to you and you don't even believe it, start saying these positive things to yourself. And over time, you will start to you know, take it in and actually start to believe it. So it it just kind of comes with practice, but noticing, you know, the way that you're talking to yourself is one thing. I think also people that are not confident tend to dwell on the things that they don't really love about themselves or their insecurities. And those then become the things that are at the forefront because what we focus on is what we kind of manifest. It becomes who we are. So focusing on your strengths, like identify those things that you do actually love about yourself, even if it's like one or two things that you can focus on and really, really delving into those things and allowing those things to become 
who you are and the things that you bring out to the world. And then you'll feel better because you already do feel confident about those things. And those things are now at the surface. And that's what other people are seeing as well. Um, that also just ties into like knowing who you are at your core. Like if you're a unique person, and we're all unique, right? And like, you have to get in touch with those things about you that are unique and that make you special and value those things about yourself instead of being ashamed, which again, is hard in our world for sure. But that's the thing. It's like really just getting in touch with those things about yourself and doing the work to honor those things and bring them to the surface. And again, just when people talk negatively to you, being able to tune that out and understand where it comes from. So those are kind of all the things that I would say about confidence. So interesting. And you mentioned manifestation in there. And I have to ask because we have a few guests and as soon as they mention the word manifestation, I jump on it because it's a topic (laughs) that I love so much. Can you share how therapy relates to manifestation? Yeah. I mean, I think that I totally believe in manifestation because I think that the things that you put in your brain, the things that you speak, the way that you live your life kind of becomes your reality. And in the therapy chair, that's what we're really doing. The work that we're doing is about getting to know your truth. And it's about speaking those things, speaking your truth, speaking into fruition, what you want, your goals, and those things kind of becoming what is going on with you, right? And there obviously is that spiritual component as well. So a lot of people that come to therapy also do, you don't have to be spiritual, but it can overlap sometimes and just, you know, that they're both the journey in getting to know yourself and the journey to have the life that you want to have. And that's what therapy really is, is learning how to live your most authentic and happy, healthy life, right? So it's the same kind of thing as manifestation. I absolutely agree with that. And so many people think of therapy as a reaction. I'm having mental health struggles, so I should go see a therapist, which 100% you absolutely should. But I don't think that enough Mm -hmm. people think of therapy as something to help them level up. It's not just preventative. It's certainly reactionary. It's not just preventative. I truly think of therapy as an opportunity to level up. Can you share how someone can, let's say they're happy, they're healthy. How can they use therapy to level up? Yeah. So I completely agree with all of that. I mean, I always say that any single person can benefit from therapy and there it's true. Like some people will come into therapy and be like, okay, I have a crisis. Like I'm going to come for five sessions, deal with that and leave. And I always say to that, like, that's, that's really not how it works. Like it it can be that in more structured forms of therapy, but therapy is an ongoing process, just like anything else. If you want to get to know yourself and really dig deep and do the work, it, it could be a lifelong process. You could be, you know, for years and years with the same therapist, the more of the time that you invest in it, the more that you'll get out of it. So I think sometimes it's really just about educating people on what therapy is, because there is, there are so many misconceptions about it that we have, and we have to demystify those. It's, it's not the scary thing. And it's not this thing of like, okay, I'm going to go in and I have to talk about all these things that I don't want to talk about. It's an opportunity. It's something that, you know, if you choose to do it, you could really, you could change your life. I mean, that's ultimately what the goal is, is to really just bring the best you forward and get to know yourself in a way that allows you to move through your life more seamlessly. That's amazing. And just to share how I generally consider therapy, I, if I'm having a struggle with certain something in my life in a week or two weeks or something, that's the thing that I bring to therapy. So rather than me constantly working on some big issue like anxiety, which I have worked on before, I'll say, Hmm, I'm stressing so much about this issue or I'm stressing so much mm-hmm. about money or I'm stressing so much about whatever it is under the sun or I'm causing tension in this relationship. It's a lot of taking ownership of every single part of your life and realizing the part that you play in it, even if it's just building it up in your mind. And those are the types of things that I like to personally bring into therapy just to give someone an example if you're happy and healthy and still want to pursue therapy to level up. Do you have any other thoughts on someone, what someone can be like bringing into therapy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
totally. You can really just talk about anything you want. You could talk about what you ate for lunch in therapy. Um, it's your space. So if, if it's a 45 minute session, which is what I do, and someone comes in and they're like, I don't know what to talk about anything. You know, there's no rules to it because it's all information. That's what we say. It's all information. And part of, you know, therapy is recognizing patterns and recognizing things about yourself that maybe you weren't so aware of. And you bring in something as simple as, okay, I had a fight with my friend the other day. That's not going to just end up being about that one fight with your friend. It's going to be about the relationship and what does that mean and what dynamic is the friendship and is that similar to certain dynamics that have been in your past and why do you gravitate towards those sort of people? So it's, it's much larger than any one thing that you think and nothing is off the table in therapy. So everything is important and you could talk about something as simple as, yeah, what you're going to have for dinner, anything like that. Mm-hmm. I love that. And can you share what different types of therapies there are? Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's psychodynamic, which is kind of what you would see on TV, like talk therapy, right? And it's mostly like kind of starting from childhood and going back and recognizing patterns. And that's kind of a lens that I work with a lot. I, I tend to go back into childhood and talk about, you know, how one thing led to another and from there kind of develop, help the person develop a stronger sense of self. Then there's more structured forms of therapy. So I'm also trained in CBT and DBT. So CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy, which that focuses more on how thoughts affect behaviors. And usually with CBT, it is more structured. So there's, you'll set little goals or there'll be homework assignments. So somebody might come in and say, I I don't just want to talk. I want to feel like I'm accomplishing something week to week. So, you know, we can work on little journaling assignments or whatever it might be. There's also DBT, which is dialectical behavior therapy. And that is kind of the new trendy therapy that everyone loves. I get trained on it every week at work. And again, that's very structured. Um, There's all these components to it. There's emotion regulation, there's mindfulness, there's interpersonal effectiveness. And it's really just about focusing on different ways that you can improve your life if someone comes in and they're struggling with, you know, some sort of presenting problem that they keep use, like maybe they're turning to alcohol every single time. Um, They're feeling distressed. What else can they do in those situations? Distress tolerance is also a big part of um, DBT as well. So learning how to, you know, not let your emotions get the best of you and you being in control of your emotions. So that's DBT. And yeah, there's obviously there's so many other forms of therapy. I mean, I'm also um, trained in exposure and response prevention therapy because I work with OCD a lot, which is really um, specifically for OCD, but can be any kind of phobia or something like that, where you great, you, you start with something small and expose yourself to it that scares you. And work your way up to something that's even, you know, more scary and allow yourself to sit with those things and build up a tolerance from there. Yeah. My therapist and I were working on that prior to COVID. Um, yeah. So I got panic attacks, which Lindsay, a lot mm-hmm. of the women in our family have had panic attacks as well. So the only panic panic attacks that I still have are when I go over bridges, which are not helpful because then you are, you know, your eyes are dilated. It's hard to focus. Your right. heart is racing, you know, all these kinds Right. It's a dangerous at, place right, to have that. In the most yeah. dangerous place, which is just great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that's something that I've been working on. Cool. Emma, I'm also curious because I know that you specialize in eating disorders and you also battled this yourself Mm -hmm. during high school. And I'm just curious, like what that experience was like for you. And obviously, like you can speak on this however you feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm curious, like what led you to recovery? And did you see a therapist during that time? Yeah. Yeah, so I um, I did. I went to inpatient and outpatient um, during my recovery, as well as had an individual therapist, which my recovery really was a lot of the work that I did with the individual therapist after treatment, because inpatient and outpatient treatment, I have mixed feelings about. Obviously, when you're in a danger zone with your weight, um, you need to be, basically go somewhere where they're going to force you to eat, right? And 
but the therapy kind of takes a back seat a lot of the time in those programs because insurance gets in the way and they just want to pump you up with your weight and get you out. So you don't really end up like doing that much of the work while you're there. So a huge part of the work is really after you get out of treatment. And so, you know, a lot of what I did was really, I mean, when I really recovered was kind of the summer before college. And the big kind of thing for me was like, was I going to go to college, which I had already gotten into school and do that? Or I was at the fork in the road that I was going to either do that or not, and then be behind and feel like, okay, all my peers, all my friends are doing this thing. And, you know, I really saw very clearly two different ways that my life could go. And I just was always somebody that was like, you know, very future oriented, very goal oriented. Um, and I, I knew that I wanted certain things in my life and I didn't, I wasn't going to let the eating disorder prevent me from, you know, prevent me from my life and, and set me back. So that's kind of, for me, what was really helpful is remembering those things. And I remember that summer just spending a lot of time reflecting and taking walks by myself and just really like thinking about what I wanted and coming back to that. And obviously recovery is so different for everybody. It's a journey, but yeah, that's, that was how it was for me. Yeah. I don't think that it's very uncommon too, because, um, because it it is so prevalent in our society today. And I think that it's probably due to the number of reasons that we talked about previously, which we talked about it more so in like a business aspect, how comparison and um, confidence and all of that can show up in your lives in a business sense. But I also think that a lot of younger people and young adults and anyone of any age deals with this too, because of those factors, not just in their business life, but also in their personal life. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I was a dancer growing up and then I was in acting. So I was just in these kind of fields where comparison was kind of and competition was just inherent. And so I think that, you know, and that's a lot of times when I work with people with eating disorders, they're not necessarily in the performing arts or anything, but they definitely have dealt with feeling like, you know, they're comparing to other people or they're perfectionists. There's definitely certain trends with people that develop eating disorders. So, so yeah, I totally agree with that. And obviously social media doesn't make it easier. And there are so many unfortunate kind of pro eating disorder websites out there. And so, you know, it can be really difficult in our day and age to kind of recover, but there's also a lot about body positivity accounts. And I think, you know, following those things and kind of reframing what's negative out there and understanding that's not actually going to be good for you in the long term is really important. Definitely. And I think that there has been some shifts too in society. Like when when you're talking about body positivity, like I know that Ari um, or American Eagle, like they're such an icon with this because they were doing it before. It was like really prevalent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And they're... um, I go to the NIDA walk, which is um, the National Eating Disorder Association um, walk that they have every year in New York. And Ari, I think, came to speak a few times. I think they were there actually every year because they're a sponsor. And and yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to see um, brands start to really kind of go against that um, ideal body type or, or show stretch marks, which I think is what they were doing is these unedited photos it's extremely powerful. And yeah, I hope that more brands and big companies start to do that as well. Oh yeah. I love, definitely I love Ari. And if you, do you know Nabella? Um, no. If you go so. on Instagram and just type in Nabella, N-A-B-E-L-A, she's an incredible body okay. positivity warrior and I'm just obsessed with her and her TikToks oh, are incredible. Awesome. So yeah, she's really cool. Yeah. I'm on TikTok as well. I know. I'm excited. I can't wait to (laughs) – I love that. I saw that, that and I can't wait to check it out. I need to check out your TikTok. Do you post regularly? It's fun. I do. I do. I mean, I I didn't – I mean, I I feel like everyone says this about TikTok, but I kind of thought, oh, this is like – this is a joke. I mean, I'm 30, so I was like, I'm too old for this. I'm not going to do TikTok. But because of my background in acting, in dancing, in like all these things, it really is such an – fun outlet for me to just like learn a dance or whatever when I have free time. So yeah, I've been posting on there a lot. Nice. That's awesome. Oh my yeah. God. That's so fun. That's yeah, so it's really fun. I'm curious just to like round out the conversation from before, do you have any tips for people who are working on body positivity? Yeah. I mean, I think body positivity to me is really about like celebrating 
your body, no matter what the shape or size or color or anything about it. Right. So I think just, again, using positive affirmations, focusing on the things that you love um, and the things that you don't not, not being ashamed of it, not speaking so negatively to yourself because knowing that your body is, you should be really grateful for it. I mean, I think we forget how many things our body does for us and we can't really do anything without it. So kind of reframing the negative thoughts into like, wait, but without my, you know, this part of my body, I couldn't do this. And kind of just filling yourself with that gratitude for it is really, really helpful. And then of course, just surrounding yourself with people that also bring that out of you. And if there's people that are competitive with their body types or talking about diet culture all the time, like those are maybe people to not have in your world when you are working on body positivity. I think that that's such great advice. And I feel like for anyone who, you know, is seeking therapy for, you know, whatever the reason may be, I feel like that takes a great deal of vulnerability. And I feel like in our society, it's not really the norm or like accepted to be super vulnerable. But I know you talk about, you know, vulnerability as basically your greatest Mm -hmm. strength. Can you speak a little bit about kind of that whole concept? Absolutely. I am all about vulnerability because to me, vulnerability, yes, it's a strength, but it's super powerful. Um, Most people don't allow themselves to go there or to be vulnerable because it is so scary. But being vulnerable means that a, you know what you think, and then you're willing to speak it. And like how few people really are doing that authentically right now. I've also noticed, and this is kind of off topic, but similar that like, you know, I talked a lot about the influencer culture and all of that, which I think is, you know, a convoluted subject, but a lot of those influencers that are not so authentic and not so genuine are on the decline. We're getting a lot of criticism right now. And the accounts that, you know, that I see when I, you know, I'm on my, that trendy therapist account, are so powerful because they're speaking about things that are true to them. There's heart behind it. There's a strong message and it's authentic. And those are the people that I'm seeing right now are really rising to the top because they have something important to say and, um, and it's a strength. So, so yeah, absolutely. I think vulnerability is such a strong thing. And if you can get there and do that, then you're inspiring other people too, as well. I couldn't agree more. And I feel like it's, honestly, kind of so obvious when you're following certain influencers, and you can tell that they're not really being authentic or vulnerable or like real, you know, or if they're like trying to use that as kind of a ploy. So I feel like it definitely shows through. And especially in a time right now, it's Mm -hmm. pretty much more obvious than ever. Um, But I feel like I love your social strategy and your page because it is super authentic and resourceful and helpful. Can you speak a little bit about, you know, your branding and social strategy? Because it is awesome and everyone should definitely check out her Insta. Thank you. Everything I put out really is, is from the heart. And I don't really like, I try not to overthink it too, too much because I think when you do that, you really get away from your truth. So when I post something, it's like in the moment, like this is how I'm feeling. It usually maybe has something to do with something I've just seen or an experience that I've just had. So it's really real and raw, which I think is what also people connect with. Um, I also am just like very kind of focused on aesthetic as well. So I, I want everything to look cohesive. I want you to come to my page and feel like, okay, that that's a, that trendy therapist post. Like that makes sense. That's something that Emma would say because that's what she believes and that's what that trendy therapist stands for. And again, that's from me just being aligned and knowing the things that are the pillars of my brand because like authenticity, for example, because I talk about that all the time. So if I see a quote about authenticity that I feel like, okay, I have a gut feeling that I really like that quote and that speaks to me and what I'm all about, I I will post that. And then, yeah, it's just about mixing in things that, you know, I try to mix quotes with my own, my own quotes with pictures, videos. Now I'm trying to do more um, videos and things like that. So it's really just kind of a compilation of all things that I love and I'm passionate about and that I think speaks to me and my brand. I love that. And you do such a, such a good job. I absolutely love it. I'm curious for anyone that wants to work with you, how, how can they go about working with you? Yeah. So you can just reach out. Um, I mean, you could just DM me if you want, but I, you could also reach out um, at Emma at intrinsic.com. So it's my name, E M M A 
at and then intrinsic. So I N T R I N P S Y C H dot com. And intrinsic is the name of the private practice that I work at. So um, you can direct emails to there um, if you're interested in working with me, or you can just, um, again, you can just DM me as well if that's easier. I love that. Thank you so much. And everybody, please, please go check out her page. Send her some love. And of course, thank her so much for anything she shared. Let her know. Comment on her recent post of something that you loved that you heard about. But Emma, before you leave, I think we have to ask the question that everybody is thinking. What was it like to be <laughs> on Gossip Girl? What yes. was the behind the scenes? <laughs> I knew that one was coming. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was amazing. I mean, what can I say? It's, it was really surreal. I think at the time it was like, I can't believe that I'm actually on this show that I, you know, everyone's watching. And it was, it was awesome. I mean, I have nothing bad to say about it. Everybody on the cast was really, really nice um, and welcoming the clothes were amazing. Getting to like get dressed by the costume designer was so fun. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was incredible. I guess that's that's how that's how I can describe it. I'm curious if, as a therapist now, you like because that because the whole entire plot line is very um, well. It's driven by high school and college, but there is a lot of like under and like rooted issues that like come about and stuff mm-hmm. yeah so I'm curious if, if before um, well I'm not sure if that if you were into therapy when you were filming or if you ended up going into therapy afterwards but did you pick up on any of that or like were you curious about any of those like rooted problems as you were um, a part of the cast yeah I think a lot of the the issues in the show paralleled even like my life. I grew up in um, Tenafly, New Jersey. And for those who don't know, it's, you know, kind of a bubble and very affluent little small town. Right. And so a lot of, you know, there's a lot of mean girls, a lot of bullying, a lot of drama, things going on all the time. So I was always, always in that world. And then obviously again, with dance and acting, I was in that world too. So, you know, I had had my fair share of experiences that kind of paralleled different things in the show. So yeah, I definitely had seen that. And, and yeah, I mean, obviously in therapy, there's so many people come in with things that have to do with friendships, falling outs, or, you know, inadequacies or social media. I mean, obviously, social media was not a part of that show so much at that point. But I think in this new reprise of it, it's supposed to be a a lot of social media and really reflect what our society looks like right now. So I'm really excited to see that. Oh my gosh, I had no idea they were doing another one. That's so exciting. Yeah. I mean, I think there's they announced it right before all of this, so I would think they're still doing it. But yeah, I mean, they're supposed to be doing it. It's supposed to really, you know, um, talk about diversity, social media, like all the things that really reflect our culture right now. So I'm really excited oh, to see it. So oh wow. my gosh. Super interesting. Wow, same. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, Take it back. We're all so excited. And yeah. um, Did you learn anything from seeing the behind the scenes of such a class act production of how to implement that in your own business or anything that you've taken away from that? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think work ethic for sure. I think everybody on set was super focused. And I think also just like the camaraderie and teamwork aspect, which I think is important in business as well, is really just like having a cohesive work environment. And um, one where voices, all voices matter and are honored and respected. And I, I definitely saw that on the Gossip Girl set. It was, uh, it was a diverse set and it was really a place where you could be yourself and um, be kind of celebrated for your differences. So I think, yeah, those are all things that I think in business are important as well. So cool. That's so amazing. We also, we ask, um, before we close everything up, we always ask one question to our guests and that is, well, we ask two questions. Where can everyone find you? (laughs) Yeah. And then we also ask, um, are there any resources that you would like to recommend to our, um, community? Yeah. Um, so I mean, on my socials, really the accounts that I follow are all the accounts that I that I really love. Um, in terms of books, I would say Intuitive Eating and Health at Every Size are two really great books in terms of like intuitive eating and not diet culture. Um, 
So those are some books that I would recommend. Yeah. And I also am somebody that like, I love documentaries. So I'm always on YouTube finding something that has to do with like the documentaries about eating disorders or mental health in any way. So yeah, I mean, there's so many things out there and definitely if you check out my social media, I'm always posting things that I've read or that I'm interested in. So, so yeah, follow along for some more rest. So cool. And we'll link everything in the show notes too. Perfect. Perfect. Do you have any writing that's coming up for people to know about? Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of writing that is on eating disorder. Hope is a website that I've written a lot for. I also have um, some stuff on the every girl website and um, yeah, I'm kind of always doing something with writing, which again, I will always be posting about, but Yeah, those are like, I guess, the two that are most recent that you can check out. Awesome. And of course, everyone check out That Trendy Therapist for the podcast, on Instagram and everything. Thank you, Emma, so, so much for joining us. We so appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thank you. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, everyone, so, so much for joining us for this week's We Grow Together podcast. We are so grateful to have you as part of our tribe. And as a huge thank you, every single week, we offer a free month at Flourish. We give it away for someone who writes a review, subscribes, rates, and writes a review as a huge thank you for all of your support. So every single week, we have a new winner. It's announced in the show notes and on our Instagram. Instagram at Flourish Westchester. All you have to do to be a winner is subscribe, rate, and review, and leave your Instagram handle in your review so we can contact you and let you know the great news. And even if you're not local to Westchester, uh, you can still get access to our social media workshop and our money management workshop. So goodies for you no matter where in the world you are as a huge thank you. You can follow us on Instagram at Flourish Westchester. If you have a podcast episode that you love, shout it out on stories, tag us. We would so appreciate it. You can tag me at Laura M. Francesco, And me, Lindsay, at Sweet Green Soul. And me, Casey, at Casey Flow. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.